Well, welcome to the Extra Point Podcast, a ministry of the teaching ministry at Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. And my name is Jeffrey Davis. I am the Marshall Campus Pastor, pastoring over in uh, the east side of East Texas as part of Moberly Baptist Church. Uh, joined with me today is Nate Harrison. Nate is our uh, worship leader at Moberly Baptist. Is that your title, Nate? Tell me what your title is. Yeah, it it's all... Titles are, are fun. Yeah. So, um, worship minister. <laughs> worship minister. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I, and uh, Nate came to us, to East Texas, from Colorado, yep. uh, or Colorado. Co- uh, yeah, depending on where you live. Depending on where you live. <laughs> but uh, uh, but then even then, from the panhandle of Texas. Yeah. So, yep. new to East Texas, but uh, how are you feeling about it, man? It's been good. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. You know, being in Denver for a, a few years, you really uh, take for granted the weather out there. Absolutely. So it's pretty hot out here, especially lately. So Yes, it is blazing. Yeah. And uh, speaking of hot, man, we got some interesting uh, uh, fire-related uh, imagery in the yeah. text from, yeah. the, from the sermon on yeah. Sunday, uh, which I had the privilege of preaching uh, on our Longview campus and simulcasting over to our Marshall and Billy Moore campuses. Um, and uh, from, the, from the book of Acts in chapter 2, and what we want to do here in the next few minutes is go even a little bit deeper. So before we start, I would just encourage our listeners who haven't picked up on the sermon from Sunday to either go back uh, on our sermon archives online or on uh, even on the podcast and listen to the message from Sunday so you can kind of get that baseline understanding of what the message was and then come back and listen to the extra point as we kind of go in a little bit deeper into things uh, that we discussed from the scripture on Sunday, extra points that we didn't quite get to in the message or things that came out in the study for the message uh, that we are able to now share with you here that we couldn't share then, uh, mainly because of time. But uh, uh, sometimes you just have to limit a sermon and you can't say everything. So that's one of the reasons we're here. But uh, Nate, uh, you, you kind of know a little bit more about you, uh, but what I think is cool is that you're also a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, I recently started a podcast. Um, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts, especially on worship leading and yeah. leadership in general. And one thing I found myself kind of yearning after um, was this uh, a localized podcast, I guess. A lot of the podcasts I listen to interview big names, you know, Christian recording artists and and what you would consider like a church celebrity sort of person. Yeah. Um, and what I really want to do is I want to talk to people and worship leaders and pastors about what's working in their community, small churches, you know, from the 100-person church up the road to the, the local church that's running 2,000 people or something like that. Um, I think that sort of thing, you know, boots on the ground, uh, figuring out what people are doing in your community, what's working, and yep. and even what's like not working. You know what yeah. I mean? Being able to talk through that stuff um, with people who are in your community and and really in in your shoes um, as well. And so, being able to talk to to worship leaders about that in specifically right now, just here in East Texas, um, is is a lot of fun. It's called the Worship Social Podcast. Um, nice. So uh, there's there's an episode out there right now. Um, cool. With worship pastor over at New Beginnings. So. Oh, that's great. That's great, man. And you know, that's a really similar um, approach uh, that we have even for the Extra Point Podcast because mm-hmm. a lot of people get out into podcasting and they go, you know, okay, we want to reach an audience that's you know global or we want to you know, really expand our yeah. influence and 
And for us, we just said, you know what? There's just more that we want to share with our congregation, our leaders, people at Moberly that are making disciples, leading connect groups. Uh, we feel like we can take them to the next level. And uh, it's been really fun uh, having conversations with teaching pastor Paul Coleman, with pastor of congregational care, Greg Martin, and just getting to know some of our leaders in a deeper way. But hearing about what God is is uh, teaching even our pastors yeah, yeah. Uh, through their study and preaching. It's been pretty cool. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. The Worship Social Podcast. podcast. Yeah. The Worship Social Podcast. Yep, that's it. Sweet. Check it out. Um, yeah, Nate's also on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? The Nate Harrison. The Nate Harrison. Yep. You can learn a little bit about him, his family, and uh, some of the good coffee he's brewing up that's here right. and there. That's yeah, right. I love it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the sermon from Sunday, which uh, I entitled, What's the Plan? Which, <laughs> sermon titles are so funny because <laughs> the people who print the community, you know, the, the welcome guide want one, and I go, I don't know, you know. Yeah. I thought about titling it Plandemic, uh, but that one <laughs> that one was already taken. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've heard of some pastors and preachers who have actually preached a sermon and then sit down afterwards and come up with the title and then they put it on the podcast and all oh, that really? stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was kind of uh, interesting. They preach the scripture and the sermon, they have all their points and then afterwards they listen back to it and say, okay, here's our title for yeah. this one, which is It's definitely the last thing I do. And yeah. that might be a little tidbit. Sometimes people think we start with a topic or a title, but uh, really here at Moberly, we really do start with the Bible yeah. and uh, see where God takes us through yeah. the scripture. Yeah. Well, what, when you heard the sermon, um, Nate, what, what kind of things stood out to you or what kind of questions would you have? Well, yeah, I say like one of the first things that stood out to me when when we talk about, um, especially in in our culture, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And whenever you first started yesterday, you started talking about the Spirit and Acts 2 is all about the Spirit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's really easy. I know a lot of times I find my, myself putting the Holy Spirit in a box, and mm. and when you think about the Trinity, then it's you got it's three p- persons yeah. in one, yeah. and so referring to the Holy Spirit as not just a an object but a being or right. something like that is some is something I have to kind of reframe um, reframe my thought process. So um, just going deeper into Holy Spirit, what is yes. what does that mean? What is how should we be looking at the Holy Spirit in terms of scripture? Yeah. I'd love for you to expound on that a little bit. And well yeah, and you know, in our context in a Baptist church in East Texas, if you would ask someone who's been listening to sermons in these kind of churches like ours for decades, they would probably only be able to name a handful of sermons that they've heard on the Holy Spirit. And uh, and we do have a, a solid belief in the Holy Spirit, yeah. the triune God. God is Trinity, he's three in one, um, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit's absolutely a part of it. But there's so much that the Holy Spirit, I think, brings to the table that we don't understand um, and uh, and maybe even get a little nervous talking about the Holy Spirit sometimes uh, because there's some mystery around it and yeah. uh, uh, there's some things that we may not necessarily comprehend. Um, but then also I think because the Spirit, you know, the Bible describes the Spirit as our guide uh, in one sense, but also uh, what brings conviction yeah. in the other sense. Sometimes I think we keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length because we don't want to be that committed yeah. And it's that's just that that fight between our flesh and our spirit that the Bible talks about, not just the Holy Spirit, but even our soul spirit within us. Um, and like in Galatians, you know, and talks about uh, um, our our flesh at war with our spirit and and trying to overcome. Uh, but 
praise God, we get these fruits of the Holy Spirit when we really yeah. lock into what uh, we're not uh, when we're not in the flesh. And uh, uh, yeah, sometimes we just kind of give into our flesh and we don't talk about the Holy Spirit in our lives that much. So when I set out to preach this sermon, the hardest thing was, okay, I, I know <laughs> we don't talk about the Holy Spirit all that often. There's so much to cover. It's a massive, you know, doctrine of the church. We have so many solid biblical beliefs about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, what do we land on? And I really just decided, let's start from the beginning. And I was inspired by Chuck Swindoll. He wrote a book called, um, <laughs> what's the name of it? Flying Closer to the Flame. Okay. I believe is the name of it, yeah. Chuck Swindoll. And as I read it, it was one of the books I read preparing for the message, and and he made one statement that I that I adapted into the message, and it was the statement that we don't have to ask for the Holy Spirit, mm. and I I just adapted it into the message in a real brief way, uh, but I, it inspired me to recognize that there's so much we don't understand about the Holy Spirit, um, just to go back to the basics. Yeah. And God really used that uh, to lead me to the outline, which was that the Holy, God's Holy Spirit lives in every Christian and God's Holy Spirit works through every Christian. And no one's exempt. It's not for the super elite spiritual people. It's not a level up. You know, it's God who just chooses to be in fellowship that closely with us. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I know I often find myself thinking when you talk Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then it's it's really easy to think of God the Father, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Because you have a tangible yeah. thing you can put it with. And and Jesus, of course, is the son. It's He was fully man, fully God. It's very easy to associate. That's My right. brain can go there. But whenever I start going to the Holy Spirit, it almost turns into this like ethereal, yeah. um, that it, I can't wrap my mind mm. around it. And it's it's to the point where I have to be okay with that. You know mm. what I mean? It's like it's a- It's a mystery. Yeah, and I think one thing that's good for me to say to myself is mystery's okay. Yeah, mystery is okay. There's something about mystery that um, it keeps you craving a little bit. Wow. Um, but it's also it's okay to just sit in the mystery. Yeah, in the mystery of it. Um, That's so, yeah. true. You know, uh, some people take that concept and and they get wary of mystery because it can lead to uh, it could lead to people, um, you know, taking advantage of the mystery and all the way taking it to heresy. And yeah. I think it was Montanus. I have, to, I have to go back and check my theology books, but I think it was Montanus who um, who said that he was, and he had this congregation, and and uh, and he got the, gained this huge following because he actually said that he was the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, and that phrase was real key, and he, and he almost took advantage of some of the mystery that was there uh, to basically spiritually abuse people. And this was centuries and centuries ago, you know, and ultimately a church council long before the United States ever existed, yeah. a church council looked at that and go, actually, no, that's total heresy. Yeah. That you shouldn't be teaching that. And so sometimes I think people get a little scared of the mystery, but you're right. It's okay for us to live in and be okay with some of the mystery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, man, I, I think it'd be great just to talk through very a very controversial topic. If that, okay. If that's cool. <laughs> Going into like speaking in tongues. Oh man. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't have to dwell on it for very long, but just speaking to that topic yeah. of what does it mean to speak in tongues? Uh, we see it in, 
in multiple places in the Bible, in Acts yep. 2, in 1 Corinthians, um, even in Ephesians 5 mm. and stuff, we see filled with the Spirit, that sort yes. of thing. So I would I would love for you to kind of go into that. I know you teased it a little bit in the message yesterday, but just to go into that, speaking in tongues. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, I, there you I, go. I, I don't know how, and you know, not to be in jest, and I did tease it and I've thought about it and how I want to talk about it, but, um, but we can't ignore that it is in the Bible. Yeah. Now, differentiating these texts is going to be really important. So, for example, Acts chapter two, let's just talk about it in a deeper way. If you're looking at your Bible right now, following along with this podcast, you know, and you heard on, uh, on the message this weekend, that um, the apostles who were there in the house waiting for the Spirit to come uh, on the day of Pentecost, that a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the house, right, is what it says, and then they, they saw tongues like flames of fire. So that's the first time, and then in, in that's in verse 3. And then in verse 4, it says again that they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in different tongues. And so <clears throat> you, would, you would think, wow, based on our cultural understanding of what we've seen happen in various denominations related to speaking in tongues, you, you might, if you stopped there, you might think they were just you know, speaking in these unidentifiable utterances. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I would make a biblical argument that that's not the case in Acts chapter two. And the answer actually comes in the next few verses. Because what we understand is that Pentecost happened during this festival of weeks, the Feast of Weeks. And uh, this, we, you know, you kind of heard this in the message, but the feast was a celebration of, uh, of harvest kind of the end of harvest season. And uh, then it was also kind of a remembrance of Moses ascending Mount Sinai uh, to meet with God and to bring down the law. But, you know, what you have to understand is several things happened in Jewish history that removed Jews from Jerusalem in large numbers. Uh, uh, most namely, you have things like exile. Whereas God's punishment for sin, unrepentant sin, yeah. uh, is to remove people from the land that He had given them, and uh, used the Assyrians, the Babylonians, they were removed, and then some families stayed; they never made it back. Uh, in fact, a lot of families never made it back. Uh, some did make it back, but what happened is these other these families, these tribes, uh, they got assimilated into other cultures. And over time, over centuries, uh, and then you bring in a guy like Alexander the Great, uh, who's uh, this Greek you know, warrior, he's conquering the world, um, turning everybody Greek, they're not, no longer speaking uh, their native languages, he's teaching everybody Greek all over the world, it's crazy yeah. things happen. So then, uh, so Hebrew becomes less and less of an influential language, and they start learning their languages of their hometowns or, or nations that they're in. And, uh, and so... During the festival, though, because they retained the uh, the uh, um, religion of their ancestors, so to speak, it's very important to make it back to Jerusalem for these festivals. And so yeah. you have people coming in from all over the place. And Acts chapter 2 actually names it. I think it's 14, if I'm not mistaken, 14 places that people came from uh, to be there for this festival season. And so all these people uh, would speak various native tongues. And uh, tongues, we know, is that word glossa. We get glossary from that word yeah. in the Greek. And uh, uh, these would be kind of dialects uh, that they speak or languages uh, that they speak. And it says in verse 8 that they, how is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? 
And I think it's interesting that it makes that clarification there, uh, that it's not just we understand the tongues they're speaking. Yeah. It's we hear them in our own native language. And so here in Acts, it really is talking about how the Spirit enabled uh, the apostles to speak languages they never learned. Pretty unbelievable miracle. And then on the flip side of that, because both sides of the coin were covered by the Holy Spirit, both the speaking and the hearing, they were empowered by the Spirit to hear the good news uh, in each native language, which is a true miracle uh, that God was at work in that way, even in unbelievers, yeah. people who were coming to Christ. But we know even from the scripture that the Spirit draws uh, yeah. people to faith. So <clears throat> that's Acts chapter 2. Now, you said 1 Corinthians, which gets into more of why I wanted you to be here. Yeah. <laughs> which is. Uh, not only that tongues and the gift, the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues in the Bible shows up in 1 Corinthians, but that then the Apostle Paul gives some instruction yeah. about how that plays out in the life of the church. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, um, I mean, this is kind of in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 where the Apostle Paul is talking to the uh, Corinthian church. And he talks a lot about tongues and talks about worship, talks about prophecy. Um, and one of the things that I kind of took away from, from this is um, speaking in tongues is something that needs to edify the church. He talks yeah. even in this, um, these chapters about um, having a, some sort of translator. And what I believe in, in this chapter is he's still talking about um, talking maybe in another language or another okay. dialect yeah. or something like that, because he specifically uses the word translate. Yeah. Um, and so I think it can be argued that that um, is talking about language. And it's, um, I think he, he says in here, why, why would I speak in a, a different tongue if they're not going to understand what I'm saying, you mm. know, basically. Um, and to me though, it, a lot of it just comes back to the edification of the church. What's going to build up the church. If, if we're trying, take this podcast, for example, if I'm trying to talk to you or communicate with you or, or even with the, the listener of this, why would I speak in a language that they can't understand? Exactly. Um, and so for us here at Moverly, there is very um, little, um, I don't want to say space or room, but there's there is strict like biblical guidelines of why we do things in worship the way we do them. Um, and one of those is making sure that we, we remove all distraction from being able to give people the opportunity to come and worship. There's things as simple as putting lyrics on the screen um, or um, having uh, a, a team play with excellence, that sort of thing. And, and a lot of uh, things that we do specifically in a worship service or worship culture even is eliminate distractions in order to, to set the table for people to come and, and worship. And so um, for me, it's, it's, it's not so much a, a, a speaking in tongues thing in a corporate worship setting. It's more, what am I going to do in this setting that's going to allow the person next to me to worship um, or or see God better? Yeah. Um, and if it's it's almost it's not necessarily a tongues thing. It's not necessarily a music thing. It's yep. could be a prayer time. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. That's um, how can how can we make the most of this moment we have and and really set the table well for people to come and and worship and see God um, for who He is. And I don't want to do anything to disrupt that yeah. um, that that sequence of of letting somebody see God uh, better, clearer, 
Um, and, and I think a lot of times in, um, in our culture and in, in this, in charismatic culture, I guess, then, um, it can be distracting at times. Um, whenever you, let's say I'm watching a YouTube video or something of a worship set and I, I, uh, I hear somebody speaking in tongues in the background, automatically my ear goes to what the babbling that's happening. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so it's distracting me in that moment. And yeah. I just, I'm a believer in man, let's, let's not have distractions during this time and let's really focus people in on, on who God is and give them a, a clear picture of, of who he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Now, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to the real trajectory of the message on Sunday, which is, while yes, it is that personal individual relationship with God uh, and his passion for that, that, you know, led him to choose to indwell his followers with the Holy Spirit. The trajectory of that is for the church. Yeah. And everything about the spirit in us and even going into 1 Corinthians and looking at chapter 12 at the beginning of this conversation that goes into spiritual gifts uh, is about how we can build up the church, the yeah. body of Christ. And the Spirit works in us to do that and works through us to do that. So what would you say to someone who is questioning their spiritual gifts and uh, they want to know, how, do I, um, how can I figure out how God can use me best in the church? How would you counsel someone? Yeah, I would. I mean, first thing I would say in terms of spiritual gifts is always let Scripture interpret Scripture. So mm-hmm. if you feel like God has gifted you with one of the spiritual gifts, go back to scripture and really dig into and see, what does this mean? If I feel like God is gifting me with this, what does that mean? Yep. What is it? Um, how am I supposed to react to this? Um, how am I supposed to use this gift in a corporate setting? Also in a, in a personal setting, if that's what you feel. Um, but then also, um, I mean, it's just like you said, to it's all for the, the work of the church. And what is, I mean, I think you talked yesterday and we'll touch on this. Um, that really the church is a, is responding to what God has already done. Yeah. Um, which yeah. I thought, man, that's that's a, a great way to look at it. A lot of times we come into a, a worship setting or even even a Monday morning hmm. and say, okay, what can I bring to the table for God today? Wow. When really um, it's, God, you're doing this. And man, I just want to respond to that in, yeah. in whatever way. Um, is best for the church. There are some people who are gifted at singing. There are some people who are gifted um, at um, teaching. There are some people who are gifted at, um, at uh, I mean, opening doors for people. Yeah. Um, and I think there are places for all of that, but it is, it is all in pursuit of how to set the table well. Hmm. How do you set the table in such a way that it allows people to see God better? Yeah. You know what I mean? As a, as a worship leader, that's what we tell our team a lot is our job is to basically set the table and disappear. Hmm. If we do our job the best that we can, nobody's even going to know that we're here. Yeah. Um, if, if I go into a worship set and I'm like, I want to hear how, I want people to hear how well I sound, I sound yeah. on this song or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Then it's, it's, a, it's a frame of mind. Right. That if, and when you come to spiritual gifts, it really is a frame of mind. It's all about 
being able to lay that before the Lord and yeah. say, how do you want to use this? Yeah. Not for God, thanks for this. And now I'm going to go use it how I see fit. Yeah. But God, how do you want to use this in edification and building up of the church? And um, how do I fit in? How do I fit yes. into your plan? Yeah. So, Man, that's so important. First Corinthians, just to kind of wrap up this conversation about spiritual gifts. You know, um, uh, chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. And in verse 11 in First Corinthians 12, there's this really interesting verse about the Holy Spirit that says, one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Yeah. And uh, uh, I hear people a lot say, well, my spiritual gift is, and they think that that's the, my, the thing that I have for years and years and years until the day I die, this is what I have to offer. But in reality, that God is is in us in a relationship uh, that is life-changing and ever-growing, right, as yeah. we say. And so, yeah. so that ever-growing part is uh, is really important in how we relate to the Holy Spirit. And I might even ask people, are you willing for the Spirit to adjust your gifts based on what God wants to do yeah. in the church at that time and season? And you're a music guy, so you know what a 31-band equalizer looks like. Yeah, You've seen yeah. these things, right? Uh, the first time I saw one was uh, in my, uh, my dad got the stereo when... I guess every guy goes to this phase where you just want like a massive stereo. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? It feels good. Yeah, yeah. it feels good. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, you know, puts a stereo in our house when I was a kid. We're jamming to like Peter Frampton and the Eagles <laughs> and uh, things like yeah. that. And and there's a section of the stereo that I have I can't read it. It's just these all these lines and levers and yeah. I don't know what it is, these sliders. And he explains it to me. It's a 31-band equalizer. On the left side, you have kind of the low end, and yeah. you can either you know bump up those low end frequencies. On the right side is the high end, and it's all about you know mixing that sound and, and getting the best you know yeah. sound out of, out of the stereo based on what you're listening to. Well, I like to explain gifts like that that yeah. the Holy Spirit is equalizing uh, our lives to accomplish His will, yeah. and at some points He may kind of dial up some gifts in our lives. Yeah. Are we willing to, to join him in that? Yeah. Some points he may dial down some gifts in our lives because there's something else he wants to accomplish. And so thinking about the Holy Spirit in terms of, uh, well, this phrase came up earlier in our conversation, uh, I think pre-recording, but, uh, but it's not so black and white maybe as we thought it was. Right. Uh, and, uh, and it is more of a relationship. And the Holy Spirit is not an it or a box or is, it's actually God. Yeah. And it's God working in us and through us. Yeah. Which is pretty, I, I still, it's hard to wrap my mind around it. Because, I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so there's so much more to the conversation about the Holy Spirit. Uh, like I said earlier, there it, it's a it's a it's a point of doctrine and belief based on uh, the entire council of of Scripture, and so there are all kinds of aspects uh, to the Holy Spirit uh, that I think it's good for us to dig into and want to understand because it's God at work. Yeah, and uh, and I would say if you're teaching a connect group, if you're if you're leading in like a discipleship relationship. Uh, this would be a great conversation to have uh, is how is the Holy Spirit at work? And uh, one of the questions I asked at the end of the sermon uh, as a reflective response question was, what opportunities, well, let me just say the first question was, well, how are you participating in church right now beyond your natural ability? Yeah. How did that strike you when you heard that question? It, um, it makes you sit back a little bit. 
you know, for, for me, it, I take a question like that and I sit back and I start to think beyond my natural ability. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times I, I mean, you naturally want to rely on your ability. Yeah. Um, so thinking about it in terms of how can God use me beyond my natural ability, then it, it almost opens up your mind to new things. Um, does he want to use me um, in different ways than I'm already being used in the church um, or in the community even, um, yeah. which which I think is is something really interesting to think about is how can he use me beyond my natural ability? It's just a that second half. A lot of times we focus on the first half. How can God use me? But yeah. then that, that extra that you put at the end, beyond my natural ability, yep. then it, it kind of... He's certainly wired you uniquely. Yeah. And God does that. And that's an, that's an incredible facet of, uh, you know, how God the Father is creator, uh, you know, made all these things happen in our lives. Uh, he certainly wires us uh, uniquely and individually, but then empowers us even beyond that yeah. uh, by his spirit. And so I think a lot of people have way more to offer the church than they have ever considered. Yeah, yeah. So what I think I would love our listeners to do, especially if you're in leadership roles, is to take a question like that and, uh, and, and pose it to the people that you're discipling or people that you uh, are leading in connect groups uh, and really let people dig into not only, you know, how, how has God designed me, but maybe there's something more that God would use me for in the context of the church or like you said, in the context of the community, because the message of Acts chapter two is, like I said on Sunday, the miracle started in the room but it broke them out of the walls. Yeah, and that, man, that, that, whenever you started talking about that, I was, it speaks so much to current culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the church needs to be the church and the church needs to, we can't, we can't hole up, you know what I mean? Yep. We can't um, sit here and, and talk about these things. It's, I think God's calling us to take a, um, a look at culture and, and, I think the church is equipped with, with the gospel and the only thing that can change lives. You know what I mean? I absolutely. Um, and yeah. so that at the beginning of Acts, I've never thought about that in terms of they're they're sitting there in their in their church basically, right? With these guys um, and maybe their families, whatever yeah. that looks like, yeah. and they're praying and worshiping together. And then God's like, "All right, here's the <laughs> spirit. Take it with you and go share this this gospel yes. with everybody else." And you see this this movement happen. Yeah. Um, which I just think, man, how cool could that be? How cool would it be? Yeah. That's a great place to, to wrap up this episode. Uh, the conversation has been really fun, Nate. I know we could probably sit here and talk for an hour yeah. about this. Yeah. Our listeners probably wouldn't appreciate it too much, but we do want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. I, I hope you've gleaned something a little extra uh, from Sunday's message and uh, that you've picked up on some extra points here. Uh, and it maybe even sparked your curiosity to go and do some more study on your own. We want to help you. And so if you have a question uh, beyond what we've talked about or to clarify anything we've talked about, maybe you want to ask something different uh, about the message from Sunday, you can always email extrapoint at moberly.org. And we would just love to take time to address some of your questions that you submit via email on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Nate, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Appreciate chatting it. with us. We will uh, see you next week at the same time, same place.